Welcome. I hope you're having a festive day. You are listening to Provisions and Libations, and I'm your host, Robin Bogue, on a Mission Matters Podcast Network. Today's topic is a nod to dry January and a beautiful visit to Rusak Vineyards. Today, my co-host, Victoria Weatherly, and I are going to tell you about our wonderful afternoon. Happy New Year, Robin. Yes. Welcome to 2024. Yes, that it's coming in. You know, you had said we were talking yesterday in regards to doing a podcast and you're like, we should do one for dry January. And I'm like, we're sitting at a winery. What are you talking about? This isn't dry. And so you're like, tell everyone who's listening what you thought dry January should be. And then I'll let them know what I told you. (laughs) Well, in my world, dry January is all about visiting new wineries that we didn't visit in 2023. But you also had this non-alcoholic spritzer you wanted to make. And I I laughed in your face. You did. (laughs) And I thought about those non-alcoholic spritzer drinks and quickly reminded myself that there's so many different wineries on the central coast of California that we haven't visited. And those non-alcoholic spritzers that I was thinking about went quickly out of my mind. Well, it's like we were at one of the wineries and um, one of the employees said, why give up on alcohol? That's the only one who loves you back. And it made us laugh out loud. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So here we are. This was our nod to dry January. We ended up spending the afternoon in Santa Barbara County. We went to the San Inez Valley, also the Ballard Canyon to be specific for the AVA. And we went to Rusak Vineyards. I had never been there and I have wanted to go there for 20 years. And uh, we were in the valley already. Victoria is a member of another winery and we were picking up her wine club shipment. And I'm like, I'll go only if we can go to Rusak. And so I quickly got on the website to see if I can make a reservation. They had an opening. We kind of had to change our day so that we could fit it in. And I have to say, before we left, and even from the moment we walked in, I knew I was joining their wine club because I said that as soon as we were sat down, the way that we were greeted and the way that the hostess treated us, I was like, and then the ambiance of where we were in the middle of a vineyard in a beautiful tasting room. I'm like, I think I'm joining their wine club. I know all about their wines. For me, it was kind of a more of a selfish. I knew their wines were very similar to wines that I'd made. And as I tasted through all of them, it made me connect with what I've done before in my past. And I'm like, this is the first winery that I've ever tasted the wines to where I feel like I'm tasting my own wines. And so as our tasting went through, I kept saying, I'm going to join the wine club. (laughs) You did. You did. And the the scenery, even though it was quite chilly um, for the time of day, we were there at about 3.30 in the afternoon. It was so beautiful. The oak trees were just enormous and the scenery was beyond words. It was an amazing afternoon. We sat inside. There were a few people that sat outside. But they um, all had blankets. They all had blankets. But it was the wildlife was was there, the the quail. It was it was just a beautiful afternoon. They even um, had poppy along the roadside. They in did. January. You don't see yeah. that very often. No. And we no. were gonna pull over and take a picture and then we forgot when we were leaving. So I'm bummed about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll have to go back. 
Darn it. Well, I joined a wine club, so I'm going back a couple times every year to pick up my shipments. Yes. And if you go without me, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> I get to take four guests. That's one of the the, the greatest things. So um, we're here to talk about the wines, what we learned about the winery and um, the experiences that we in- encountered. And um, the ultimate result was joining the wine club so that I could purchase more wines. We ended up, their wine tasting was set up a little different than any other wine tasting. They gave you a list of like maybe 12 wines, and then you got to pick which ones you wanted to try. And then with them knowing that we were in the industry and the conversations that we had, we ended up getting to try other wines that were not on the list. They had a bubbly that wasn't even on the list that they were able to bring out to us. That's one of the best things about being in the industry is you kind of get a little bit extra attention and you get to try these extra wines, which to me is the best part of, and it was a nod to their service as yes. well yes. as um, treating us very well. So um, let's talk about the wines. So with the Rusak Vineyards, the wines that they make are pretty much just standard Santa Maria Valley where they've got the Pinot Noirs, the Chardonnays, the Sauvignon Blancs, uh, Cabernet, which was actually from Happy Canyon, which is another AVA on the other side of Santa Inez, but they were able to purchase the fruit and bring that over and be able to uh, have a, a 100% varietal Cabernet and then a blend. And so um, in true Robin and Victoria fashion, as even though we both know a lot about winemaking and wine tasting, we have very different styles in um, what we like to drink. And I have another friend, Cindy Wells, who she's your girl that you would want to go wine tasting with because I harass you about your your flavor profile as yuck. And I give you the wines that I don't like. Cindy has that same profile that you do. For everyone to understand, it's they're dirty and gritty and they're, they're smelly and they're just full of like where you you taste it and you're like, what is this? So the description of their 2017 Pinot Noir from Solomon Hills had a description of forest floor. So I knew immediately that is not a wine that I'm going to like, although I'm going to taste it and experience it, but I am not going to like it because that is not interesting to me. And so go ahead and tell everyone what you liked about it. It was absolutely delicious. <laughs> in it, your world, in my world, it was absolutely delicious. It was a very good Pinot. It was full of earth. Um, the nose on it was not... You did not like the nose. No, I didn't. I yeah. wasn't fond of the nose at all. Um, and when we say was, the nose, that's the aroma. The aroma. The it it was very earthy to smell. However, when you took a sip of it, the the profile, um, the flavor profile was very earthy. Um, you could taste the the peat on it, and the and whoever said peat was good. Like, why <laughs> would you want to eat that? Drink it or taste but, it. But it was. You know, very well-rounded. You could get the violet flavors out of the wine and the deep, intense earth flavors coming out. And that is what, to me, a true Pinot Noir is. So that, to me, tells me that's Burgundian style. That's old world, world. European, and that's traditional. When I am new world, American, ripe, fresh, sweet, red berry fruit, when you are forest floor, dank, old cedar chest, 
And all of those terms, mushrooms, truffles, all of those that I don't want in a wine. And it's, I can appreciate it, but I would want a big hunk of cheese, dry cheese, hard cheese to go with it to make it more palatable. (laughs) Palatable. So if you did have some good cheeses with this forest floor, earthy type wine, you would definitely get all of those um, flavors to come out and soften it up a little bit and make it turn into what Robin is is desiring, something that's (laughs) more friendly in her world, something that is a little bit more smoother drinking, not so robust and more delicate. Right. And so I that's, like it straight from the bottle. You don't need to have anything to help it go down. Yes. Yeah. So, so if you want something that's more playful, then um, throw some food on it. Yes. And yes. whereas, you know, when if you had listened to one of the previous podcasts that Robin did with me in Spain, that's what I was looking for when I went to Spain was something that was old and had been around for a little while. And um, unfortunately, I didn't find it because I didn't get that far out of Malaga. However, I found it in our own backyard in Ballard. Yes. And Ballard Canyon is beautiful. I love it out there. Uh, It's a little hidden gem that we're now telling the world, but it is it's a wonderful place. So our next wine that we tried was a 2019 Pinot Noir from the Mount Carmel Vineyard. And it had the chaparral and the vanilla and the cherry and i have a star on this wine and i remember you you really liking it and this is more my flavor profile and yes it still had some deep earthy flavors to it but they were more of the fresh ripe fruit but they still had that because of the vanilla it had the body and the depth and that one i could have drank all day long i loved it and i know you loved it too i did yeah i did yeah, you saved, that was your saving grace with me. That, yes. I didn't waste my time wine tasting with you. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. And then our next one was a 2022 Pinot Noir from the Radian Vineyard. And that one, as it being a younger wine, because the other two were a 2017, 2019, this one was a 22. So we knew it was going to have some very young flavors. It had the strawberry, the orange blossom. But you and I, knowing a little bit more about wine... It had that finish and we talked through it and we talked about milk chocolate, dark chocolate. And then what came to me after us talking was a creme brulee finish. And it was the the caramel top or the burnt part of the brulee is what I was getting in that wine. And I love those type of flavors, even though that's more on the spectrum of what you're talking about with your first wine that you liked. Mm -hmm. This is more of the char flavors that you can find. I really like that. I I think because it's more of that burnt marshmallow, not that it had any burnt marshmallow flavor, but you know, that's identifiable for people. I really enjoy finding that in a wine. How did you feel about that wine? I don't remember. I, I enjoyed that one. That was the wine that came out with the toffee and caramel. You're right. You were saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Which that I never got the toffee and caramel from. And I'm like, that's a difference between milk chocolate and dark chocolate. Cause you were getting that. And I'm like, I get a like relay finish, but it's the the hard part that they, you know, broil or burn with a brulee, a flame torch to make it with the sugar. So it's more of that deepened 
So that's, we definitely did not agree on what we could find in that wine, although mm-hmm. we both agreed that we love the wine. And that, that one was super interesting to sit and identify. I would have liked to have had another two ounce pour of that. So in that way we could have, you know, what else would we have found in it if we were able to spend more quality time on it? Our next wine that we went to was a 2017 Estate Zinfandel, which I found super interesting because you don't, there's not any other growers that grow Zinfandel in the San Inez Valley. That's more of what you used to find up in Paso, which has now been grafted over to more of a GSM area because of Chateau, Chateau Neuf de Pop that they are now trying to replicate that area. And so the Zinfandel is, it's harder to find up there. And I had no idea if you'd asked me if we had any Zin in San Inez Valley, I would have been like, no, we don't grow that here. And they grew it and it was amazing. Yeah. It was I, I thought it was very, very nice, spicy and musky, but for Zin, um, which is unusual. I usually don't pull that from a Zinfandel. Well, not, and it had the descriptor sandalwood. And we were sitting there talking through, well, what is sandalwood exactly? And I'm like, well, that's always a flavor that's in a candle. And mm-hmm. for me, it reminds me of like the beachy. And you were saying musky. And I'm like, no, I think it's more broody. And so we had that conversation back and forth of musk and brute. And for me, musky has that real like powerful nose where broody is just kind of a strong robustness, but not as aromatic. Musky has more of a skunkiness to it for lack of better terms when brute brute does not brute is almost Mm non-aromatic in my world i don't know in your world (laughs) it's obviously different (laughs) yeah so then the next one was the cabernet from vogelzine in happy canyon which i'm super excited to try because my favorite cab in the world is a happy canyon cab and any producer that has it i'm like oh yep that's on my list i'll try that and they're always so soft and smooth and velvety which a cab is not necessarily known for that a napa cab has more of the bell pepper paso robles cab has more of their distinctive defining flavors when happy canyon cab is just this super round just elegant wine i love it it's christmas in a bottle it's elegance it's silky pearly and all of that what did you it's almost a a happy canyon cab is like a willow creek um is like a a willow creek is to paso yeah so i have not tasted cabs in willow creek so willow creek is on the templeton side it's outside of the templeton gap in paso robles so it is on the west side and it's nestled up in the area where there used to be a lot of walnut trees And then, so getting there, you kind of, there are walnut groves all around, kind of more on the off-roads, not on the main road to get there, but on the off-road, if you went like off-roading around, then you're into the walnut, the old walnut groves that are heritage walnut groves because they're over a hundred years old. But um, it's definitely, so we need to go up to Paso and do a cab tasting in the Walnut Creek, um, say it again, Willow Creek, in the Willow Creek area, because I don't know. I need to try those wines. Yes. A warmer climate. Yes. I know I like warmer climate. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's what gives it that nice soft finish. Mm-hmm. And a cab shouldn't have a soft finish. I know that. So don't correct me on it. But it has a softer finish than normal. Because cab used to have that bell pepperness to it. And I don't like that. And I, I think the the trend of cab is changing. The style is changing. The last one on our tasting that when we first started was the Anacapa 
which is a red wine blend. And I was excited about that because I love to try blends, but it was the Cabernet, Merlot, and Petit Syrah. And the Merlot and Petit Syrah are grown on the vineyard, but they don't make 100% varietal. They only grow it for this blend. And it had the black cherry, cocoa, and clove. And it was so good. That Yeah, that one I really enjoyed because it had the Petit Syrah in there. And I like anything that's blended with Petit Syrah is has a really unique t- taste to it. The palate mm-hmm. is just sets really nice with me. And I like that one because it it's it wasn't too overly flavorful, I mean overly powerful for me. You know, it wasn't one way too heavy in the Merlot area and um or too heavily flavorful in the petite Syrah. So it was just very well balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that, you know, yeah. in a wine. I feel like they did a great job. And, you know, we haven't even talked about their wines that they had from Santa Catalina Islands. Mm-hmm. Those, and they sold out of a lot of them. So we weren't even able to try them because they were on the list, but they were uh, marked off as sold out. Those wines, um, which one was the one that we did try from their... Oh, it was a Chardonnay that they started us with. Uh, We had a Chardonnay. No, it was a Sauvignon Sauvignon Blanc. Blanc. When we started, when we arrived there, they pour instantly. When you walk up, they pour a Sauvignon Blanc and then they walk you in with a glass of wine. So it's just, you feel like you're being catered to and treated with, you know, very respectful. And here you go, here, try this. And, you know, having it from the Santa Catalina Islands, I didn't even know they grew grapes there. And to find out their story and they have grapes dating back to the mission era, back to the 1800s. It just, the conversations that we had, her name was Pam. I think it was Pam. Yeah, I think so. Um, she, it just, it was such a great experience to be able to talk to someone like-minded that knew Alicante and, you know, the way that the grapes were planted back in the mission days and, you know, why we had mission grapes and why we don't anymore. And it just, it was such a, a, a nice day of back and forth conversation. We weren't just poured wines and then she walked away. She actually engaged and told us about the property and the history. And if you want to know more about Rusak Vineyards, visit my webpage at eatdrinkandbemerry.online and I will have more information for you on Rusak Vineyards. Um, it just It's a place that you definitely need to go. It almost felt like you were in another place. Because we were secluded. You had to go through, not only did you have to have an appointment to be there, but you were behind a gate and you had to check in. You had to ring the the bell to get in behind the gates. So you just couldn't show up and go and taste the wine. You had to have an appointment and then they had to clear you in. So yes, it did make it more exclusive. Well, and And then to get to the tasting room, you drove up through the vineyard And then we parked under that huge oak tree. And then right behind us was the winery. Mm -hmm. And then down right below that was the tasting room. And it just, even though it's January and it's everything is bleak and brown and barren, it still was beautiful. Yes. Yes. And that's what I, you know, it just seemed like you were in a different place, not 
like you were here on the central coast because you were overlooking a totally different part of the central coast. Yeah. And I had never been there and I'd always wanted to go there. So for me, it was just a super treat to be able to finally go somewhere that I had wanted to go for so many years. And their packaging, I really like, I really like their emblem that they have. It's their tile Mm -hmm. and it just, it's just very well done. Yeah. Yeah. So after we tried all of those wines and because of the discussion, Pam was able to bring out the 2019 Pinot Noir from Solomon Hills because Victoria had loved it so much. You had tried that and then I tried the Syrah. And so the 2019, which is this, was the same to me as the 17, where it still had all of those descriptors of forest floor and all of that. And you can see my notes right here. I wrote the word yuck. (laughs) That's a technical (laughs) term. And that means not good, not favorable, not the best. Very precise. Yes. But for you, it was one of your number one. So, Mm -hmm. but the 2019 still had all that same flavor profile. So it wasn't just one vintage or one wine. It is definitely, that is what that fruit tastes like. And it is, that's one of the neat things that you can learn when you're wine tasting and evolving with a vineyard and a winemaker and, and a winery and seeing from year to year to year how it stays the same. Yeah. You know, the consistency is there. Mm-hmm. And then the Syrah was very nice. And then she finished with the bubbles, which was the best finish. And we just had a great time and that it was it was amazing. Yeah. It was a very good afternoon. Yeah. Very so we, and we had said that we needed to go out and do that again, um, not next weekend, but maybe the following weekend and be able to um, find another place equally um, ambionic or remarkable or memorable and experience that as well. And then we could share it with listeners of Provisions and Libations, and then they can go and try it themselves. Yes. We will definitely, we're going to make a plan to do that. And if maybe we have suggestions, feel free to drop a line. Yeah, that you can um, send a message through the website, eatdrinkandbemerry.online. We also have social media provisions and libations on Instagram, where you could send a direct message. If there's a winery that you feel is remarkable and distinctive and you want us to go and taste their wines to talk about it, please let us know because that we will add it to our list of wineries to visit as this is something that we're going to do throughout the year of 2024. And there'll always be a reason why we go there or it might be we're just out and about and hey, let's stop by. And those are also uniquely wonderful to be able to stop by and, and visit someplace that you're like, oh yeah. And then it you know, turning out wonderful, which, and that doesn't always happen. I know I had, you know, I operate a tour company and I take people out wine tasting and I was given a list of six wineries that they wanted to fit in a day. And you can't really do that. And 90 minute reservations, you would have to start at like 9am. And that's just not really how, how we do that in wine country. And so I had made reservations for four of the six and um, one of their stops, which I won't name the name, we had bad service. We, the wines were bad, which that's what the client said. I wasn't able to taste and I didn't taste the wine. So I don't know. I had never been there. The drive was beautiful. It was kind of hard to get to. 
And they left kind of super disappointed because, and I was excited about it because I was going to learn about a winery I had never knew anything about, but I kind of had that feeling the moment we pulled up, I was just like, oh, this isn't what the pictures show. And then when we walked in, I'm like, this isn't what the pictures show. And I was like, so are we at the right one? Am I remembering it right? So I just kind of thought maybe to you that you research a lot of wineries. So maybe you're not remembering it. And then when, after I got them situated, I pulled up my notes and I pulled up the website and I'm like, yeah, nope, it's, this is, these pictures are not accurately representing where they are. And when I um, got them back in the vehicle, when they're safe to be able to talk freely, they were like, yeah, that we were super disappointed. And all I could do is say, sorry, you know, that that happens sometimes. And, you know, luckily we've got three other places to go today and that don't let this one represent the whole area because their view was amazing. I did take a picture of them standing on the edge of the property and it overlooked the whole valley, which I'm not going to say what wine making region we are in just because I don't ever want to say anything bad, but it was just, you're not going to find that experience. And especially that level of experience we had yesterday, you, you just don't find that. I'm a well-seasoned taster and a well-seasoned presenter of our area all of all over California from Santa Barbara to Paso Robles and that level of uh quality care that we had yesterday it was it's unrivaled for anywhere it's even though I used to do this myself I'm like yeah that was pretty top notch yeah she did a very good job yeah she did a very good job yes so all right do you have anything else to say no Nope, I'm, you're all done. I'm all done. You you don't have any other words? Uh, um, no. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please follow Provisions and Libations wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next week with an all new episode. I am your host, Robin Bogue. You can learn about me on my website, eatdrinkandbemerry.online or my LinkedIn profile, Robin Bogue. I look forward to entertaining you, informing you, and enlightening you with the perfect accommodations for connoisseurs of provisions and libations with an Epicurean flair. But first, let's eat and drink. <laughs>